Okay, so we are back after a very, very, very long hiatus. Uh, if we have any listeners, probably uh, thought we quit or died or something. But but no, uh, I was busy finishing my book, uh, The Feral Girl. And so I really couldn't focus on anything. But, uh, but also, uh, we are going through a very long series. It's Stephen King's longest series. Uh, yeah. which is The Dark Tower. And, um, and it's a seven-book series, and so far mm-hmm. I... Uh, I eight books. Is it eight books? Well, I think... It's the, eight books. Well, yeah. The, the there's eight, a, yeah, there's an eighth book. It's kind of like he inserted it in. Didn't he write that later? Yeah, it's like... It's 2.5 or 1.5, The Wind Through the Keyhole. Yeah, okay, and he wrote it right. like after, I think. Yeah, but, yeah, um, The Wind Through the... Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I'm, I may or may not read that. It, it depends. But So I'm just going to read the seventh... <laughs> And see how I feel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have it. I haven't read it yet myself. Oh, okay. After, after okay. I was finished with the seventh book, I was like, I can't take any more yeah, of this that's shit. Enough for that. <laughs> like, so does so that, so that mean you don't? Does that mean you don't like the series, or you do? No, I have a love hate relationship with the series. Yeah, I think I. No. Yeah, I think I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, strange. but like when you're done with it, you're gonna be like, I'm done with Stephen King's bullshit for like a hundred years. <laughs> And then, like, sure. six months later, you'll be like, where's my Stephen King book? So, yeah, so. I almost feel like this uh, this um, podcast is turning into a Stephen King fan podcast because <laughs> we are mostly doing Stephen King books. But um, I think it's because I, I, it's really weird. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of modern-day um, mm-hmm. fantasy uh, series, like epic fantasy series. In fact, I can say there's very few series of fantasy that I really enjoyed. Um, and a lot of them are like more young adult, which made me think maybe I'm just a kid or something. I don't know. But I, I really liked the Harry Potter series. I love that. I loved um, the His Dark Materials uh, mm-hmm. series. Uh, some people uh, call it the uh, the Golden Compass. So, mm-hmm. um, But most of the series I've read... I just kind of, I usually give up. I like Dune a lot, although I didn't read all five books. I read the first, like, like yeah. three and a half. Or f- no, I read the first yeah. four. There's six books. I read the I read first the, three. The mm-hmm. first four, yeah. which I enjoyed, but then it almost seems like it just stops being about the story. The story just becomes the a story. story. So, you know, I, I think I can handle adult books. So, so that's why I said, okay, I'm going to read Stephen King's The Dark Tower because I think my problem with most fantasy uh series is that they're all about the setting all the all the books i've read uh, lately uh or tried to get into uh, whether it's game of thrones or the wheel of time it's just it's just the the main focus seems to be you know, i'm building a world i'm building a setting and mm-hmm. i just feel like i mean i love a good setting i love a world that feels real, but that is the least mm-hmm. important thing to me. I, I think the most important <laughs> is is either character or plot for me. You know, um, right? And and what and and the thing and in fact, I'm starting to think lately with Stephen King's books is that I'm starting to feel the character is actually the most important because that's I think what really keeps me reading is if I like the characters. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about fantasy books, I think, that bores me most of all, too, these days. I yeah. mean, it depends on the fantasy book. Because I, I do love 
Game of Thrones. But, um, you know, sometimes I do like a world-building aspect, but uh, as far as Stephen King goes, yeah, the story is so weird, but it really is the characters that pull you into the story. Because you really want to know what's going to happen next and how they're going to wrap all of this up but um Stephen King called this his magnum opus yes and uh I frequently like to say you know I just I I totally disagree with that well I know what's mm-hmm. weird about and the Dark it, Tower is that he he actually started like a long time ago and then but he didn't like mm-hmm. write them back to back like he would go off and write like a different no. another book and then yes. he'd go back to writing more of the Dark Tower and then go back to other books and so right he kept going back and forth um and uh yeah, I mean, I agree that, um, like, in terms of world building, I don't think he's very good at it. I feel like he's maybe trying to emulate a little bit of what he's read. I mean, he said he was inspired, like, yeah. in, the, in the forward or the intro to the to every book. He says he was, like, he was inspired by Tolkien. He's a big fan of Lord of the Rings. For people that don't know what the heck we're talking about, the Dark Tower is a cowboy, it, it's, a, it's a fantasy western. And it's a it's a fantasy science sci-fi fiction. Yeah, fantasy science fiction. western, mm-hmm. which is a it's like it's like it's a very weird genre that I've never it's a very seen weird before, never read before. Most of the fantasies that we read, like Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, it's all set in the medieval times with like knights on horseback mm-hmm. with swords. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that, the conceit about that, is that. There was never really uh, uh, the, knights. The way knights are portrayed in almost all fiction it has nothing to do with the historical knights. You know, the historical right. knights are very different. Um, yes. And yeah. And second of all, um, why is it that you know all of our fantasy is stuck in medieval times? I, I think Stephen King was like, "Well, listen, you know." Why can't we have a fantasy set in the Wild West? Why does it have to be in this time period? Why can't it be a little later? Oh yeah, and he treats, yeah, and exactly and, yeah, and and what's in yeah, the, and the gunslinger yeah. yeah, the gunslinger is a hundred percent. Like I don't know, I, I loved it. It was a classic in my opinion, and I did want to read more of the Dark Tower after you know the gunslinger, and I just thought it was a classic science fiction. Um, book and it stands on its own in my opinion you know and honestly if you wanted to break off and like write another dark tower story Mm -hmm. you could break off from that book and just oh sure go in a totally different direction yeah because yeah and let me um let me just say this because uh i think that i mean obviously you have to look at you know Roland DeShane is a right. character on his own. I mean, he's the... He's a great you know, character. I, mean, I, really, I really like him. Yeah, he's a great I really character. Like him, yeah. I love Roland yes. so much. Yes. <laughs> like, I just... I don't fall in love with characters often. I say that, and then I say, oh, I fell in love with so-and-so. But yeah, Roland is probably, like, my favorite male character of any character I've ever read in a book. Oh, wow. I mean, he okay. just is. Yeah, so, like, I so, just... So I was really... Yeah, I was really attached to him, and I just got really attached to this guy. (laughs) It was terrible, but yeah, that's what propelled me through the books was him, and um, you know, then but then you look at it; it comes from you know the King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Right, that's what I was going to say. It's it's based on that. Yeah, Yeah, so it it romanticizes the gunslinger Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. gunslingers of the Wild West in the same way that it romanticized the. That almost all fantasy these days romanticizes knights, you know, yes. for medieval times. And, yeah. yeah, and you learn that 
I mean, have they talked about the gun very much? I mean, it's kind of spoiler oh, yeah, territory, yeah, I guess. But, so they've talked about the metal of the gun and why Oh, he the never stops talking is... about how it has a sandalwood grip. Every time he... Yes. You know, every time he pulls out the gun, it's, we have to be reminded it has a sandalwood grip and it's real smooth and nice and heavy. And yeah, I actually and, liked that. I think yeah. a lot of people would get annoyed at that, but I liked it because I'm like a tactile person. So it was just like every oh, time yeah, he takes it out of his, you know, you yeah. can feel that sandalwood. Yeah. You can yeah. see it, at the, how pale it is and the shiny grain and, you know, this musky, you know, oily uh, uh, a gun that he pulls. Sure, and, sure. I feel I really felt this when I read The Stand, Stephen King's The Stand, which is a book about the end of the world and how mm-hmm. there's like a super flu. A lot of people yeah. were, were brought it up during COVID, and Stephen King actually yeah. got annoyed and said, "You know, COVID is not like The Stand." But everyone's like, "Oh my God, The Stand's coming true!" You know, but right. um, but uh, The Stand is about this virus that kills ninety nine percent of all people. But what kind of annoyed me in that book is that he never talks about the rest of the world. Like, if it's wiping out the whole earth, what's going on in Europe? What's going on in Africa? What's going on in Asia? Um, I feel like Stephen King is very focused on America. I think he's he's a big fan of American culture, American history. Oh, yeah. He knows his stuff. Yeah, like, he knows what happened, and he yeah. likes to write about it. And I appreciate that about him personally because... You know, I, we don't talk about it enough to our children that, you know, you sent black people out the back to drink out of the stream. Or, yeah, yes, yes, you know. yeah. So I think that's what he's doing here. But sure. I, I feel like a lot of the gun issues in America are, are cultural. It's like we have this cultural kind of love affair with guns going back to the Wild West. So it's kind of difficult for people to not kind of romanticize guns. Although, mm-hmm. although I feel like in this case, you know, the, the six shooter, the six shooter revolver is, is I think fine. Like I, if I had to make the laws, I would say, okay, everyone can have a, you know, a revolver because really you're not going to commit mass murder with a, like, that's the best weapon for defense, you know? And I right. think that even, <laughs> even in this book, like, you could tell that Roland doesn't like machine guns. He doesn't like the more advanced guns. He just he like stick to the, stick to the Wild West revolver, which is, so it's a way of like paying homage to Amer- America's sort of gun history without taking it too far, you know? Right. Yeah. It's it's they use those type of guns that like sometimes you have to you know uh, to reload it. You have to. You know, um, <laughs> slap down the the trigger every time you. Yeah. You know, and it takes the, skill. Just would change the barrel. Yeah, yeah it, to and, roll the barrel. So and you have to aim, and you know, you have to you know know what you're doing, and it's 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 considered an honorable thing, like a sword. You know, like the way we think of like the knight's sword. You know, um, mm-hmm. the way it's treated, and um, and also like he keeps going through these like little American towns, and people have this very colloquial uh, dialect that he, I don't know if he invented it or if it's based on American. I think that these people, it's just the dialect he made up. Um, but, you know, also, you know, back then people said different things to one another, probably in that way. That was just kind of a courtesy speak um, that you acknowledge them and that they've helped you. And it was a thing that kept communities together and helped them earn respect, you know, 
to yeah. one another. And so, yeah, I can definitely see that uh, maybe definitely coming from something that he knows about, um, but being totally made up, you know. Yeah, because he has a character say things like, thank, thank you, Sa, and all the time. Thank you, Sa. Thank you, Sa, and, uh, and Kenneth, which means, do you understand, Kenneth, mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. And, it's, and I, I do enjoy that, you know, when, like, an author creates uh, yeah, uh, his own I vocabulary like that, that it, it comes across as natural. It's never really forced. Yeah. And so you then say you, true and I say thank you. <laughs> what happens Gosh. in these books are so weird. And I don't know if I like it or not. Uh, I, I have to say, <laughs> it's just so weird. And I think from a world-building perspective, that's where it kind of kind of throws me off because... What I think like a good fantasy world builder does is that there's kind of a logic and a reason for things to be there, right? But mm-hmm. he would just like throw in this wacky thing, almost like it's a absurdist, like Alice in Wonderland kind of like, okay, you're not supposed to think about it, just there. Um, but, but why it's there and what's the logic behind why that thing exists uh, there's really no, I don't feel like it's it's not adequately explained. And maybe it's explained in some later book, but in the current book, it's not explained. The very first book uh, I read in high school, okay? And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't like yeah. it too much. And so I decided I wasn't going to keep reading it. And I was going to go He's back to my Doom, that. To my Doom books. It. Yeah, and then, and then like, I don't know, 30 years later, I said, you know what, let me... You know, after reading it, because I really liked it a lot, I said, "Oh, let me let, let me go back to Stephen King and, and try some of this." <laughs> yeah. Also, because I was looking for an epic fantasy that I would enjoy, because I was I was so burned by Wheel of Time, and also I I agree with you that I do like a lot of the characters in Game of Thrones. I don't want to say that George R. R. Martin doesn't make good characters; he does. But so many of his characters I don't like or I'm just not interested in. And so I have to read, you know, 50 pages, 100 pages about these people that I just do not like waiting to get back to the characters I do like. And so that's my, that was really my problem with Game of Thrones. Whereas with, uh, with Stephen King's writing, I think I, I like everybody. I like all the characters. Maybe, maybe not the background characters, but... All the characters, the main characters, I, I'm at least interested in their story. I, you know, and I think that's what he does really well. So I read the second book, thirty years after the first book, which is called the <laughs> the drawing of the three. Yeah, and I chuckled is, the whole time. Which is confusing I because the second book is <laughs> drawing of the three. Like, come on, man, that's a, that's like shouldn't that be the third book? <laughs> yeah, I opened that book and started. I was like, what? The shit. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, and you know, and and we're gonna get into spoiler territory here, so if you don't want to know anymore, but uh, but so Roland is on a beach, which I which is cool. I like that. There's giant lobsters that are that are trying to eat them, which is cool. A classic fantasy thing, okay. And I like yeah, all yeah. that. Uh, but then he is uh, confronted by doors. Magical doors are just standing in the middle of the beach. Uh-huh. And when he goes through the doors, he has what I call a being John Malkovich experience. <laughs> if you've ever seen. Oh, 
Yes, Being I have John seen that Malkovich. movie a couple times. It just it has been an experience every time. Yeah. I laugh. Yes, you, it has been quoted in my house for years now. Yeah, yeah. and I really enjoy. I actually really enjoy yeah. that book um, because he goes into the head of Eddie, uh, who's one of my favorite characters. Um, yes, and I, I like him because he's such a flawed character, which yes. makes him interesting. And I feel like whenever Stephen King goes into uh, real world, uh, like like our world. I think this is where he does his best writing is when he's talking about current times. You know, Eddie Dean is a is a uh, uh, heroin addict, and his brother's a heroin addict, and he's and he's sm- trying to smuggle drugs in a plane. Um, right. And and he, and and there's a there's a drug dealer. You know, like a gangster. That's gonna kill him if he doesn't, you know. Yeah, it's a cartel situation. Cartel, and I just and I was just really like I was really engaged with this. I'm like, oh, this is very cool. This is the kind of thing he does really well, and this is how he introduces uh, Eddie into the into his uh, quartet, which is his little um, his little D and D party, I guess. I don't know. And, um, and, and <laughs> so I, his, yes, so I like that. And he brings them through the door, and then like, and then they split, and then he's like a separate person. And then, so, so I like Eddie. I like Roland. Then he goes through the th- third door, and there is a a black woman in a wheelchair who has a split personality. So that is, I don't know if it's almost too many things in one character, but but she's she's also very interesting. Um, because yeah, he wrote yeah. A, yeah he wrote a great character out of um, and my gosh I can I can only remember her quartet name and I can't remember she has like four names she's Dena Odena Odena that's and right then Odena and Dena's like the evil version of her and then Odena mm-hmm. I think is the good one but then mm-hmm. but she's also called Susanna because that's her middle name Susanna. And then later yeah. she becomes Mia when she gets pregnant. So she just has all these personalities. But yeah, she's and, got yeah, and she's very yeah, she's splitting because yeah. she's had a lot of trauma. Yeah. So so but, these uh, are just interesting characters, and and then there's a boy named Jake who just Jake, keeps having these then, like weird visions, and he runs away from home. Um, and his companion Oi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a little dog. The talk. He's got a dog record. It's not really a dog, he's but it's a... some kind of dog like creature, alien. Lemur. Dog. Yeah, it's it's cute. I yeah. loved I loved Oi. I loved Oi. Oi yeah, I yeah. Loved... So I, so the second yeah. book I thought was a really good setup. Introduce I mean that's all it is. It seems like this it's just a setup for okay, here are the characters. Um and I enjoyed it because I enjoyed their little <laughs> adventures in in on Earth, you know. Um, uh-huh. And then the third book. I, well, how did you feel about the second book? Maybe I just throw it to you. <sighs> the second book. Um, you know, I didn't like it as much as I liked other books in okay. the series. And to be honest, the fact that it didn't scare me off of the third book is just like kind of weird. I guess yeah. you know. So, but I mean, it moved pretty fast for me. But yeah, it, yeah. it was totally unexpected. It was like just such a gear switch. And um, so I was, you know, kind of <laughs> put off by it a little bit. But once I got into it, I was like, okay, well, this is fine, you know, because for me, um, you know, I mean, and, and, and he has his literary history in the same kind of, you know, 
uh, weird stories, pulp fiction mm-hmm. genres, um, you know, everybody who wrote for the science fiction magazines, Asimov and Bradbury, and, you know, especially in this type of um, story, it's got a very Bradbury feel to me. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, and there's, there's a reason for that, um, that we'll maybe have to talk about later. But um, uh, so this this book for me, because I read so much like sword and planet and mm-hmm. science fiction and pulp fiction and, you know, uh, these compilations of weird stories, uh, for me after a while, I was able to settle into it after the tone change from the gunslinger, because that's honestly, the gunslinger is what I expected. And I was like, well, if okay. the rest of the series is as good as the gunslinger was to me, then I will really freaking enjoy this. And I can understand why people really, really liked it. Uh, to begin with, but then kind of got angrier as the series went on, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I also, you know, in this book, Stephen King just kind of basically said, I do what I want. Um, yeah, he yeah, did what he wanted. And, I, I'm kind of you know, jealous of that. Like, I want to be, I want to be such a successful author that I can write whatever crazy shit comes into my head and people right. will be like, yeah, because... No one is gonna. No one's gonna publish this book if if it didn't have Stephen King's name on it, because it's just so <laughs> out there. It's so wacky, and you keep trusting the author. And I think that's a big part of being an author is is you have to gain uh-huh. the trust of the reader that you know what you're what you're writing. You know where you're taking the story, and so we got to keep reading. Like, okay, we hope we know where this guy's going because this is so. It's so absurd. It's almost like. You know, Alice in Wonderland levels of, of insanity. And um, so I don't even know if I can even call it like a traditional fantasy. I almost want to call it borderline surrealist writing, you know. Uh, very much so. Yeah. It is very much kind of a surreal experience. Surreal, yeah. Um, and, but I, you know, I even though the series seems messed up in so many ways, uh, you know, by the time it's over, I mean, honestly, and that's why I kind of have a love hate relationship with it. I mean, Stephen King knew what he was doing, writing this. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, I, it kind of clicked with me a little bit early on. And I was like, well, I'm not sure I like the approach he's taking to Mm -hmm. this idea. Uh, I like the idea, but um, again, if you're reading Stephen King's works, you know that sometimes elements from other, you know, books show up in other books. Oh, he does uh, a lot the, in this one. The, the biggest thing that bugs me about this entire saga is that they have a quest to get to the Dark Tower. Like, this is what it's all yes. about, right? Like, what mm-hmm. what is this book about? It's about a guy. He's a cowboy. He's a he's a gunslinger, and he and he and he gets some random people together. I, and now, why is it these people too? That's another thing. Like, why do these magic doors on the beach lead to these people? And he says, "Well, it's Ka or Kate or it's the Ka. And Ka is just like fate. It's destiny, you know." And right, but what really, else is Ka? Yeah, right. what else is Ka? What yeah, else does he say and, and I don't like when writers do that. I feel like that's a cop out when you're like, "Well, it's destiny. It's just the, the way things are meant to be." I don't when mm. when writers use destiny as an excuse for everything. I feel like they're just inserting themselves into it. It's like they're saying, "Well, it's this way because 
I'm the writer and that's just what I want to happen, you know? So I don't really like yeah. that. I don't really like Ka, this concept. Well, it's Ka, and I feel like every time Stephen King has to explain something that he can't explain, well, it's Ka, and that's what, and that's one thing I don't, I don't like Ka. You know, or yeah, and you know. that's going to drive you mad for a little bit longer, I think. And it, it you're going to, but yeah. that's 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 the thing I'm talking about. These last two books are just going to be like, what the fuck? You know, you're going to feel like you got the rug yanked out from under you. But there are. Yeah, so many things going on. I just I, I don't I want do to spoil feeling, it, but I can totally I see. Feeling, yeah. yeah, he's you're going down the exact same path I did with the okay. series. I think you're just like, why the hell yeah. are they just not telling me what this is? Like, I just feel yeah. Like, I want to know what. Yeah. is so important. We have to get to the dark tower, and somehow he convinces these complete strangers that he pretty much kidnapped from their from their lives, <laughs> right? right. He and he's just like, friend. listen. You know, I know you don't know who I am, but we we got to get to this dark tower place, and it's almost frustrating because if I was like pulled out of my life, you know, and forced to go on a quest, I'd be like, hold on a minute, what the hell is this dark tower? You know, I, I before I take another step, I want to know where the hell are we going and what is this dark tower? And I just feel like. Stephen King's not telling us, you know, and, and I, and I, would, so like I you, would wanna... You'd be like, what's the dark tower? You wouldn't look at this, like, gunslinger coming through with this, like, sandalwood gun being like, uh, I don't think you need a dark tower, buddy. I think you need to go to a hospital. Mental, <laughs> you know, like, mental hospital. Yeah, you know, and Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Like, But, no, I think that you're going to get to this point where um, it's going to, yeah, I just... It all makes uh, sense. And you're going to be mad about it. I know you are. You're going to be mad about it. And then every once in a while after you're finished reading the series, you're uh -huh. going to think about it. Sure. And that's what he wants. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's just exactly thing. what he wants. Those, like, are, those are my favorite the, kind of stories. If, if, I can, yeah. if I don't, you know, because so many of the books that, people, that I read that are just, I read it and I forget about them immediately after. So if yeah. I keep thinking about it, that'll be great. Like, I'll, I'll be happy. You know, if, if he can yeah. Let me think. Um, yeah, it's so. just like it's just like a screw in my head. I'm just like, I will never, you know, I will never read another story that was just so. So the next one is called The Wastelands. And, yes. uh, and I think maybe I like that the least because it was just, this one was heavily. <gasps> yeah. Sorry, this was heavily the secondary world you know the fantasy was cowboy so... world, and it was yeah, it was so weird. And I just think that again, that's not what he does best. You know, <laughs> is coming up with his own worlds and his own everything, his own cities and names for things, and you know, and I, I he doesn't do that as well. You know, like every time we go to New York, every time we split, we slip into the real world. I feel like okay, this feels real, but when we go to the secondary world, it doesn't feel as real. It feels like, oh, this place is just there for the reader to experience it, you know? And that's what throws me off, I think. So, and again, and it is full of just weird, like, coincidences. And, you know, there's an evil train. And why is evil train there? Well, it just seems like an obstacle that the characters have to overcome. It's almost like a D&D &D campaign. We're like, okay, now you have to fight an evil train. Okay, why? Well, just because <laughs> that's, that's what I happens. I love the now. evil train. <laughs> I mean, it was a cool thing. It was like a really cool concept that I liked. It's not like I'm opposed to this idea of the, this AI train that's trying to kill them. 
But I guess just the way, like, why the train is there, why, it, you know, why well, is it, it just... it kind of reminds me of a Sphinx. Okay. It's like the modern day time, it's like the, mo- it would be like a modern day Sphinx. The riddle of the Sphinx. To get, through, yeah. to get through the gate, to get to the next part of your journey, you have to answer my riddle or you die. Sure, which which is fine, but then, like, I wonder, like, were there other people that got there before he did? Um you know, he throws in a lot of, like, random stuff. Like, there's a giant statue of Roland leading into mm-hmm. the train station. And yes. you're like... And they're like... And, and the, the other character's like, wow, that's a giant statue of Roland. And then it's like, it never comes up again. Why is there a giant statue of the main character in there? I don't know. It's just there. Maybe it's going to be explained later. I don't know. But it just, it just isn't. It's just glossed over. And it's just random stuff that... You know what I was reminded of? I was reminded of Lost. Remember that TV show, Lost? I hated that show. Right. Well, the first two seasons are great, and then it gets really stupid, you know? Uh, Yes, I know. But, like, (laughs) it just kept throwing out all these weird, like, mysteries. Ooh, what's that? Mm -hmm. What's in the hatch? Oh, why is there a polar bear on this island? You know, why is there a smoke monster? And there's all these mysteries, and it's like... And I'm like, and I like mysteries if they have answers to them, you know? But if it's just, uh-huh. I'm just going to throw out weird shit to make the reader wonder, <laughs> but I'm never planning on answering any of these, then that, that's just upsetting. And that was the problem with Lost. It was like, none of none of it was planned. I think they did interviews with the writers, like, years later, and they actually admitted that they didn't even have any plans to answer anything, which is like, that is wrong. You know, you, can't, you shouldn't do that as a storyteller, you know? As just create mis- create questions that have no answers, you know. So I almost feel like he's he's doing that. So that's kind of what annoyed me a little bit with uh, the wastelands. Is there anything else that goes on in that book? Like, did they well, have yeah. a confrontation oh, with anybody? Uh oh yeah. Okay, so Jake, the boy Jake is he joins them during the wastelands part, and he right. goes into the so, haunted house, which might be the same haunted house from it. I'm not sure. Um, and, but, but, and again, see, and there was a part of that book that just annoyed the heck out of me. And it's, and I, I think it annoyed me because it's supposed to be really important. And Stephen King's like, this is so important. Look how important this is. But I just, I just wasn't feeling it for some reason. And I guess, uh, Jake, he's living in New York and he goes into like, um, like an old abandoned I don't know if it's a junkyard or something. It's just an abandoned part of the city where there's a rose. And this is like a magical rose. And it's like the most important thing in the universe is this rose, you know? And when you're around it, you get like really high and, and whatever. You start tripping. And it just and it just <laughs> like, and you just want to protect this rose. Like this rose becomes everything. And and I'm just like, okay, that's cool. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't. It it didn't uh, it didn't do it for me. I don't know why. I, I I know he wants to really emphasize how significant this rose is, but I just I, I couldn't feel it. I don't know why. Um, so no, that that's happened. okay, and um, yeah, that's fair. I it was a big deal. He made a big deal out of it in this um, book, and yeah, I uh, I had the same feeling. I, uh... Oh, and another thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit is this woman is in a wheelchair. And sometimes I oh, feel, I, yeah. I sometimes I feel like King kind of, 
I don't want to say some, I, I get a feeling sometimes he, he forgets she's in a wheelchair because not always. I mean, he, they do talk about sometimes oh that he had a hard time pushing the wheelchair through through this and through there. But sometimes mm-hmm. it just seems like she just effortlessly, you know, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of I read somewhere someone who was like a blind person. And he's saying mm-hmm. that the way people treat me, I, I get two people to treat. I, I get treated in two ways: either A, I'm a superhero, I'm Daredevil because I'm blind, yeah, or B, I'm just completely like unable to do anything, you know? Right? And, yeah, and, and I can totally commiserate yeah. with that as a disabled person. People want you, they're like, "Well, you have superpowers when you feel good and you can do anything," and it's like, "Well, I really can't." Like, I wish we would stop. Like, that's like ableism, you know? And that's a lot of people have that problem with. Uh, Odetta in this series, like not only that's did the problem I have. Black, she seems like, but yeah, she's so yeah. strong that she can just walk. I guess even though she has no feet, right. you know. And I'm like, this, right? Like I don't know. It, to me, it seemed a little bit. I don't know. It's kind of a double-edged sword. I think there is, you know, again as you go on in the series and as it wraps up, um, you know, definitely, uh, yeah, loss eventually answered. You know, I guess all of its questions, I didn't hang out to find out because it just, it bored me to tears. And I can definitely see where you're getting that vibe from this series. And I just, you know, that's a good, um, I think it's a really good analogy, actually. It's like the lost of <laughs> novel series, like, but, um, no, I'm sure but I enjoyed King it a lot better. It was I, a lot freakier Oh, yeah, I'm me, sure so. Stephen King is going to give us more answers than, than lost. Yeah, well, you know, yeah I'm, absolutely. I'm confident I mean, you know, in him as an author, yeah. And again, I don't know. I don't know if Stephen King just kind of pervs out at, at weird moments, but he just has that scene <laughs> yeah, well. where you know Roland is like, "Okay, listen, we have to get through this demon, and the only way to get past it is you have to, mm-hmm. you have, to have sex with it." And you're like, "What?" I'm really like, "What?" And it's weird. And I mean, I don't know. He doesn't write it like a like an erotic scene. But it no. is a little. It is a little strange that it's like there's no other way, and Odette is like, okay, fine. I, I, I guess, I guess so. I guess that's the only way for me to pass this. <laughs> I guess if I have to read this, I just have to. I have to. I have to have sex with this demon. There's, there's no other way. So I don't know. Scenes like that, I think, are a little strange. I don't know what's going on through Stephen King's head. Um, so did that happen in Wizard and Glass, or did that happen no, in that one happened, of the earlier? That books? happened in the Wastelands. Oh, it happened in the wasteland. Yeah. Well, I can never remember which book it happened in. Well, I yeah. always think it's yeah. That makes sense that it's the wasteland. It's it's okay. all a smear kind of. So and I don't know. It's it's almost like the child gangbang in in uh, in it. It's like was this necessary really? Um, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying like you can never have I don't know demonic rape in a book. I, I'm sure you can oh. do it. Do but you know who is really good at that too? Demonic rape. Uh, who? Yeah, uh, I'll give you a few guesses if you want to try. <laughs> oh, oh, is it is it uh, Terry Goodkind? Yes, ding okay. ding ding. I got, I got. Well, I've heard yeah, stuff. Yeah, like I've every stuff. opportunity he gets. Like, bam, that second book opens. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, All right then. Our boy's a little freaky. Okay. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you know, you like I didn't question that as a you know, fifteen year old. I should have, but I was just like, all right, this is weird. But I, I just, like books. I just I wonder, like when you go on DeviantArt and you see the number of pictures of, 
I guess, fantasy rape art. Um, Uh, I, I, it's hard for me to read an author who writes this stuff and not think that they're getting off on it. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Um, Well, if they're not getting off on it, somebody else's, I mean, they obviously have an audience or they wouldn't be putting it up there like that. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and and so that, I don't know, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. You know. Kay was in the mood, I guess, maybe. Yes, go ahead. He was in the mood, okay. So, but moving on. But then he, like, redeems himself with, I think, one of the most beautiful uh, romances uh, I've ever read, and which was Uh the next book, which you really liked, uh, Wizard and Glass. Um, And I I did (laughs) feel like I was tricked into reading a Western romance. Like, I'm reading along, and I'm like, all of a sudden, like, what happened? I've been tricked, and I'm reading. Uh, I always felt like I was reading. I was reading one of those books, you know, where like you know, the there's a guy on the cover holding the girl, you know. Um, but uh, but it was really well done. <laughs> but, but, I, but I have to say, I'm just trying to envision Fabio as the gunslinger, and I'm just having a real hard time here. <laughs> well, he was younger. He was like a teenager. But it was really, really well done. It was a really wet, like, it was well done. And yes, some of those romantic scenes, I was like, God damn it, Stephen King. When did you all of a sudden learn how to write, like, romance this well? I was, like, so surprised. <laughs> I was a little jealous. I'm like, what's going on? Like, you don't write, like, he's not known as a romantic writer. And all of a no. sudden, I don't know about you, but it was some of the most beautiful romantic passages I've ever seen and read. Yeah. Like, they, wow. Yeah. You and know? I have to admit that was, that was half the enjoyment of the book for me. And I know I'm always over here like, eh, it's just not a romantic. No, you are. You, you know, are. there's, I got it. Yeah. I just, <laughs> You I just, gotta pretend. It's you know, like Graceland uh, or Graceling, uh, same thing. I think you just, you know, you're just top tier romance. That's what it is, you know? I like mushy, good romance. Romances where people are like, she looked at him from across the room and immediately knew he was terrible for her, but yeah. she was still a virgin. And <laughs> No, I, you know you what? Know? I think it's just the quality of the writing. It's like, you know. Yeah, I mean. It's like Lewis. Yeah, that helps a lot. And I yeah. think the fact that the characters have more than like one or two personality traits sure. that aren't his glistening oily skin and right. his erect member and her enormous blue eyes and you know, oh, you there's just swap a, there's out a, a fucking hair color. Like yeah, scene, they just There's a sex scene in it I remember and it was so it was so like he didn't shy away from the details, but it was so well written. And I was like, damn, did this same person write about demonic sex rape? Like, how how is the same person writing both of these scenes? Because it was right. so tender and so beautiful. And I don't know, I was admiring his versatility, I think, at, at that point, when, when he wrote uh, Wizard of Glass. I, I was just really impressed, you know? Yeah, um, and I mean... If there's definitely something that the Dark Tower showcases, it's his range of writing. Like, you just go from, like, really, like, serious, classic, you know, um, one-shot story, Stephen King and the Gunslinger, to this, like, really messed up, like, story about broken people, and then... Like all of a sudden, you know, and then all of a sudden you're reading like this weird pulp fiction story and you're just, yeah, it's like, it's like a roller coaster ride. You just don't know what you're going to get next. And I yeah. mean, that was part of the joy of reading it for me. It was like, what the hell is he going to throw in here next? I mean, 
I like that it had it had a very like singular direct plot. Like it's almost like we forgot about the Dark Tower for a while, right? And now we're focusing on, or he has to save this girl because she's going to marry a guy she doesn't want to marry. It's right. very sympathetic, and it's all a flashback. <laughs> it's all a backstory, and, right? And, and and I will say that a little bit of it it kind of beggars cre- credibility a little bit because yes. all of this is being told. To the other characters, like Roland's telling his story, but then you're reading it as if Stephen King is writing it, and he's giving mm-hmm. you all these details that you know that a someone who's just talking to people wouldn't be giving them all these details. And so you're right. like, okay, so we as readers are getting way more information than you know than the people listening are getting. You know, no, yeah, no, that's I'm good though. I like Roland yeah, is saying like that. this. He's explaining the story to Dean, Jake, and Eddie. And is he going to talk about it? You know, ex- explicitly describe what the witch looked like and what her house looked like. He probably isn't going to go into those details. But I think, like I said, I think it's fine because the story is better. You know, if we read it as as a novelist. I feel that these choices were probably intentional on his part. Yeah, and not even that. Um you know, you're making that conscious decision when you're writing, um, you don't think about it, but it's kind of like me going, you know, I was working on that painting and I was putting like the final touches on it, just, Mm. you know, a little bit more, some darker red over here. And, Mm. you know, every once in a while you're like, oh, I don't like that, you know, remove it. Or if it's throughout the book like that, like you say, then I, I have a feeling that it was very much some intentional no, no I, I think everything he did mm-hmm. was intentional because I, he couldn't... There's no way he's going to be like, okay, the next 400 pages of this book is just going to be in Roland's speech. Like, I, it wouldn't have been good. You know? Because you know? Roland's not like a storyteller. He's not the type of person to talk much. He's not a bar... He's the strong right. silent type. He's Clint Eastwood. He's a thinker. He, he basically admitted he's Clint Eastwood from, you know, from uh, The Good, The Bad, The <laughs> yeah. Ugly. So... Yeah, he's a thinker and a doer. Yeah. And- I think King made a very conscious decision to be like, I'm going to set that aside, set his character aside, and just write as if I was writing this romance novel. And I, so I think mm-hmm. it works. I think it works fine. Yeah. But. So and then moving on to the book I just finished, uh, Wolves of the Cala. Wolves of the Cala. Which, um, which that book um, really, it really, really dragged for me at certain points, and. Um, I just felt like, and this is really Stephen King's biggest problem, I think, is I just wish he just get to the damn point, and he just, <laughs> and he just doesn't, and and they keep having palavers where they just kind of get together, like let's talk about what we're gonna do, and I'm like, why we don't need a scene like that? Just move on, you know. But he's like, no, let's discuss this. How did you feel about that? Well, I felt okay. How did you feel? Well, I felt fine. Well, maybe we should talk to this guy about that thing. Like we don't need any of this. Like all of this can be just. I, I bet the Wolves of the Cala could have been literally cut in half. In fact, I know it could have, and it would have made perfect sense. Yeah. We didn't yeah, need all I agree this stalling, um, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. I agree with you, because it was just like, I mean, it started out really weird. I was like, God, what the hell again is going on? And then it descended into this weird, like, dry area Yeah. <laughs> at the beginning, and I was like, uh, I guess we're establishing, you know, like, this place we're in now and that's you know fine but 
Callum um, Bryn Sturgis. And then it kind of crept on to the end and it got more, you know, science fiction-y. And it got good. Uh, I really like I really liked the ending and I and I thought to myself, I don't yeah. know, like you know what I was afraid of? What one big complaint about the wastelands is that he he leaves it on a cliffhanger and I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. Did you just get tired of writing? Like, what happened? He just doesn't conclude <laughs> Like, they're in the middle of, like, it's literally a cliffhanger. They're in the middle of, like, getting right. killed by a train. And the train's like, okay, you have 10 seconds to answer this riddle or you're all going to die. And you're like, oh, no, what are they going to do? Right. And then he's like, nah, read the next book. I'm like, what the hell, Stephen King? So that's what I thought right. he was going to do with this book. I'm like, you bastard, because there's, like, a, like, maybe 50 pages left. And I'm like, there's no way that it's all going to be resolved in the last 50 pages. Well, a big part of it is resolved, and so I was, I was really satisfied with the end of the Wolves of the Kala. And it's implied there's going to be a big battle. They're preparing for this big battle. And it has a really great setup. I really liked the, the drama, I guess. They're, again, spoilers. But uh, there's a town where all the children are twins. And then mm-hmm. every 25 years or so, these, these mysterious uh, people show up on gray horses with flaming swords, energy swords, and they kidnap one of the twins. And then what's even more interesting, I thought, is that they don't just kidnap him for good. The kids come back, but they're like... And they're messed up. They're messed up. They have really bad... I don't know what would be the proper word, but they're mentally handicapped. They would be... Yeah, they would have um, mental retardation. Yeah, I don't know if that's... You know, gross... Yeah, yeah, they would have like gross motor skills. Yeah, gross like, motor skills, and then and then they they're functioning up. like yeah, and they're they functioning have like three to five year olds and right, yeah, and then, yeah, and then and they don't children. develop. Yeah, they don't develop mentally. They get they get gig- gigantism, and then they, they get gigantism, and then they die horribly uh, in they their twenties or thirties or something, and it's like right. awful. And the but the people of this town are sort of uh, forced or cowed into um into doing this uh because they can't stop these these people on horseback because they're they have advanced weapons and they'll kill them and and so right um but then yeah but then one of the people who has a twin and and it's only a twin at a certain age so they don't take them i think when they're too young or too old so one of them that has a twin that's the right age he's like we have to fight them and then they find the gunslingers, and it's like a like a side quest. Like this whole book is like a side mm-hmm. quest, but it's a really interesting <laughs> side quest, right? So I really like I really yeah. liked it, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, there's a there's a good solid plot. There's something you really care about, um, and but then it takes forever to get to it. It's like, come on, man, just get on with it, Stephen <laughs> You know, so like. You know, it would make an awesome MMO, <laughs> yeah. but not like really a great book series. Yeah, actually, it would make a great MMO. Why is this not a thing? I would, I would actually play that because I am just very fond of you know gunslinger class. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So, well, you know, so and so basically, um, and then you know, and then they have to go back to New York because they have to they, because they have to buy the property where the rose is on. And again, this is really important. And then they meet a a very interesting character. I want to ask you about this. They meet a a really interesting character named Callahan, who is a priest from the book Salem's Lot. And and I think that Stephen King actually drops 
text from Salem's Lot into this book. And, mm-hmm. yes. and as I was reading it, and I hate to say this, but I kind of felt like, man, I, I kind of like his older writing better. You know, I, I was really enjoying the Salem's Lot sections a lot. I thought it was really interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm more of a fan of his older writing styles too. Yeah. But. So did you, so did you read Salem's Lot? I did. It was like the second book of his that I had ever read. And I yeah. mean, Dracula was like, you know, my favorite book. So heck yeah, I read okay. the Salem's Lot. My mom was like, oh, you like Dracula? Read Salem's Lot. Oh, okay. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, I just, I love vampires and I thought it was a great take on the, you know, Dracula myth, and it had some, you know, Nosferatu <laughs> going on in there, and I just ate it up. So, yeah, I loved it. So, so is Ken, do you remember the priest? Like, was he a major character in that book? <sighs> you know what? I believe he was more of a major character because he's, you know, there in the town before... Oh. Uh, you know, the main characters move in because aren't they moving into Salem's Lot? It's been a very long time since I've read it. Yeah, I should reread he it. Moves, but, then but, he, uh, but then he leaves and then he has a super complicated long life story after that. So I think maybe what happens is I think he kind of continues that character story after Salem's Lot ends um, because it, it stops being about vampires and it starts being about more about Callahan kind of wandering around America and kind of slipping between worlds. Like he goes to different like uh, parallel universes where, you know, the money is different. That's why I thought it was really clever. Like he'll look at the money, like who's president on on the money to know like what reality he's in, which I thought was really Where he's at, yeah. And, And he's being hunted by like secret agents which are like not vampires but work with vampires. I don't know. It was, it was kind of confusing and a little drawn out, but I really liked his character. I thought it was really interesting. And I think he's going to join the party as a new member, which, I, which I'm looking forward to because I think he's cool. And then uh, Odetta gets, um, I feel like we're doing a book report now, but, uh, but Odetta gets <laughs> pregnant with the demon baby. And I don't think that was planned, but I think, I think King probably was like, you know what? What if she got pregnant? That would kind of almost justify the demon rape scene. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, mm, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I he I think that was very much done on purpose. Okay, well, I, I don't know. Because he says he doesn't plan these things out in advance. So, I mean, he admitted to that. So. Oh, he's, well, yeah. I mean, I understand that too. But I think that when he was probably writing... The Dark Tower, and when he set up that scene, he was like, oh, well, later on, you know, I'm going to... Like two books uh, later? Like two books later? Right. It, he may time. not have known at the time what he was going to do with it, but he knew <laughs> he was probably going to do something with it. So, yeah, he may be right. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so... I mean, but knows? at the same time... Yeah. I... Yeah, I mean, Well, I, I think as a writer, what I will say is a lot of times... You know, like, people always argue, like, did George Lucas know that Luke and Leia were brother and sister when he wrote the first one? I mean, uh, Lucas, said, yeah, Lucas no. says he does know, but I, my feeling is that, because this is how a lot of writers think, is that he probably had a notebook that says, 
Luke Leia brother and sister question mark that's what that's what that's what happened I think I think he was just like yeah thinking maybe yeah, I don't think that was something he had either because I mean yeah. Luke was a girl in the first draft I mean it was well it was Luke's Starkiller and yeah, Luke, yeah he was a she yeah. so, so oh, I didn't know yeah that. and yeah. I mean Han Solo was the old Jedi uh master yeah so, yeah like stories um, are always changing and evolving and so I mean, right, yeah, i so. wouldn't be surprised yeah i wouldn't be surprised if stephen king was like odetta pregnant with demon baby question mark and then and then you know kind of thought about it and then said right sure let no me, i let me yeah that, and that makes sense book. to me and i do agree with you like kind of on that but then yeah it there gets she <laughs> So she had the baby. Mia then had the baby. And... Wait, wait, wait! Don't tell me because I'm not that far. Oh my God! Oh I shit! Mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm assuming baby. she will because she her water broke. Well, right. Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. No, it's implied at the end of that book after they have this big battle. Yeah, the, the demons okay. like I'm coming yeah. out, and she's like, "No, you're not," and, and she just like force it down, and uh, so th- and that's a good abortion, you know, <laughs> abort a good reason. For <laughs> The baby oh is God. literally a demon. Oh, okay. Maybe we should kill him. Okay. I don't know if that should make it into the final cut of this or not, but that's funny. No, that's funny. No, it's, no, it's interesting. It's fine. I don't think anyone's going to get mad. I mean, we're spoiler. We've been spoiling everything. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we're just on a but, yeah, I but, mean, what's, but, what, I mean yeah. what's, a better, what's a better argument for abortion than please don't give this disabled woman with... Uh, uh, multiple personalities a child she cannot handle that's also it. a demon yeah then the book is very very meta and you know one of the bombs they're using that i think is supposed to look like a golden snitch uh, yeah but I don't the, know, I think snitch. the snitch right which snitch. it says harry yeah. potter on it and I'm yeah like, yeah Whoa. and i actually like texted you a picture of like this is crazy and yeah it tickled like, me <laughs> I actually like stuff like that, though. I kind of like stuff like that. And then, mm-hmm. uh, little offended, though, as a Marvel fan, I guess the the, the riders, the, the guys who were riding the horses, were carrying lightsabers. That's not what offended me. I was more, not really offended, but jokingly offended, um, that the riders <laughs> all look like Doctor Doom, okay? And I'm like, come on, Doctor Doom? He's the greatest villain ever, Okay, you gotta give Doctor. Oh, Doom is that the- what they were supposed to look like? See, because I saw. Uh, I thought they had they they had like mechanical wolf faces, and that's they why they did, were called the wolves. But other the those yeah. faces was another mask or, or a robot head that looked like Doctor. And he even says it. Oh, uh, like that's Doom. right. He he literally yeah. says it looked like Doctor Doom, and I because they have the green cloak too. Because your know, Doctor Doom is a like green cloak and a green green hood. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Now I remember. Yeah, and I was just like. Doctor Doom deserves. I know, I'm a fan of Doctor Doom, so I was like, Doctor Doom deserves more respect than that. And uh, and those guys went down fast. They went down real fast, and it was almost like too easy. Like I, I like two easy. of the two of the characters died horrifically, and I thought, okay, cool. Like Stephen King. I mean, it was surprising for a horror writer. There isn't more death. It, it, it seems like. It's weird. Like George Martin kills way more people. The Stephen King doesn't kill a lot of people in this, and I'm like. It's kind of unusual, you know? Yeah, I mean, the purpose of horror is not always death. It's to scare you a little bit into living. (laughs) Like, into not taking things for granted, you know? so I don't really get scared much, though, so I I don't know. Um, I think um, he's a softie. uh, I think King is a softie heart. I don't know. 
Yeah, books don't usually scare me that much. I think the scariest, the two scariest books I read recently, more most recently, and that's you know ten to fifteen years ago, have been um, John. I hope I'm not butchering his name, but I probably am. John Avie Linkquist, mm-hmm. who wrote "Let the Right One In," that was a terrifying book for me to okay. read. I think the only book that scared me was 1984, just because you know, it, that's something that's, that can come true. I, I feel that's a scary thing. Well, I mean, if we're talking about books that are like you know prescient that scared the Poli- shit out of political me, political books, like the Ursi duology by Octavia. E. Butler is the scariest thing I think I have ever read. But okay. um, well, I know we're not talking about that, but I just want to put that out there. Like, I have never, you know, before put a book down halfway through reading it, and I just, I had to put it down and walk away. Yeah. You know, it was just that <laughs> horrifying for me. But I mean, it's very much in line with things that are going on in our country now. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, yeah, it's it made like, me a yeah. little sick, you know, yeah, it's, it's, and that's, yeah. I think. Yeah, it, it's like, you, why, why be scared of things that don't exist when there's right. so many things in life that do exist that are terrifying, right. you know? It's like right. stories about, like, vampires and ghosts and werewolves are actually, it's, they're cathartic in a way because they're, yes, they're scary, but at the same time, there's something... It's something you can do something about, right? Like you can, can do something about it, right? They can be vanquished, yeah, or at least you can, you can the put them back can, in the ground for a time. Yeah, or, you know. Yeah, like you can do something about it. Exactly. Right? But there are certain things in life you can't do anything about, and that's what right. scares people in their forties, I guess. You know, like us. You know, it's like no, that's <laughs> real life is scary. You know, there's two books left: Song of Susanna, which I have to start. And uh, and then the Dark Tower, Part Seven, the Dark Tower, which I like that he yeah. ends with the Dark Tower because I'm hoping he explains the damn thing. Um, but I have a feeling, and try not to. You're gonna have to resist uh, giving me any hints. But um, I have a feeling that he's pulling some sort of never-ending story situation here, where um, fiction kind of like. Like fiction in one world is reality mm-hmm. in another world. That that's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking is going on. So so mm-hmm. because he he talks about like multiple realities, multiple dimensions, and then mm-hmm. they they see evidence of like oh here's a book. Like at the end of this book, he they find the book Salem's Lot, and Callahan's freaking out because I'm like I'm in this book. How can I be in this book? I'm not a fictional. He even has like a like an existential moment. Where like I'm not a fictional right. character. How am I in this book? And so, right. so what I'm thinking is that, and I really love. I do love this idea. I love this these meta uh, concepts where, and this is something I've thought about too. Sometimes as a writer, I'm thinking, you know, what if like all these fictional stories you read are real in another world? You know, like, like, like oh yeah. Of, you know, Salem's Lot happened in another world. What if Harry Potter is real in another world? You know, I well, like right. that. You wrote it, so idea. it exists. Yeah, it exists, but but it's it's a literal reality for the people, mm-hmm. for the characters that were created. You know, right. So I'm thinking he's doing something along those lines, and uh, I just wish that I don't know. Maybe we we would have been given more of a reason why to care about the quest. Like, like why is Roland so? dead set on finding the dark tower like I, I just i don't feel like i got a really satisfactory answer for that sure so that's my biggest i think that's my biggest criticism 
And also, I just wish Stephen King would just get to the, the point. Like, it just he just drugs on so much. And um, I think his books could be heavily cut down, heavily edited, and they would be just as good and they would make just as much sense. Um, you know. Yeah, I really want to see how you get through these next two books. It's going to be... The problem The problem I do have, though, and this is maybe a, a more of a personal problem, is if... If Roland is going on a quest to save the, because he does say we have to, the, if we don't go to the Dark Tower, you know, all all realities and all universes will be destroyed. That's another trope. Mm-hmm. I I don't like that trope. That we have to save the the, the multiverse. Right. Because right? again, it starts again into that kind of silly territory. Like, oh no, no, we have to sure. save the omniverse. Like, how you know how big can you get? You know. Right. It's like a race to how big you can make the threat, and and it, it, it for me it's like. Personal, personal stakes are always more interesting than you saving the the, the world. You know, right? Um, this has to do with all these realities. But every time they go to a, a different like reality or whatever, it's always like Western themed. You know, it's like like why isn't he? You know, why aren't they stumbling into like I don't know medieval town or Asian town or, or, or you know some really crazy? I mean, like West World, <laughs> right? It's always. <laughs> It's always Western land, you know. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Because there are other books that have done this. Uh, uh, have you ever heard of Amber? The Amber uh, book series. I don't believe so. Yeah, there is. A, yeah, you can look it up. There's a, a book series called Amber, where the the conceit is that that there's one true reality, and it's the world of Amber. Okay. And every other world that you can mm-hmm. think of is just like a shadow of amber or like a, you know. So it's like the world we live in is just kind of like a shadow of the real world, which is amber. Right. Okay? It's like it's a parallel world. It's, it's yeah. just like we, you know, some people theorize now that we live in a parallel. Right. Yeah. You know? And this mm-hmm. and of course, amber is like your typical medieval inspired fantasy setting. But mm-hmm. when the characters go to different realities in Amber, um, mm-hmm. they're completely different. Like, like they're just really weird. Like, like he, he's, he, he, you know. So I'm just saying, maybe that would have been hard for Stephen King to do because he wanted to have this Western theme, you know. But yeah. I often did wonder, like, why is it always Western themed, you know? Like, if I would have done it, it would have been, like, really craziness. You know, like, it would have been like, okay, now right. we're... You know, squid land where everyone's a squid, you know, or something, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I, I totally understand. And I don't know, it was the, uh, I don't know, the series was just like quite the project. And um, yeah, I just, again, I love it and I hate it. And it's like, I just, sometimes I feel like Stephen King is trolling <laughs> me. Could be. Well, but, I, th- I think he. I think he bit off more than he can chew, kind of. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think he, he too, looked but... at these other epic fantasy, you know, epic fantasy <laughs> authors, and he's like, I want to do something like that. I want to do an epic fantasy like Tolkien did and, and George Martin is doing and all these other people. And, yeah. and I just think that's not his forte. I think he does better with smaller stories, more personal mm-hmm. stories. Um and I don't mean smaller, like in in page length. I mean smaller in scope, right? So like, like I think it is still his 
best book by far. I really love it. Yeah. It's a very long book, but in scope, it's a very small story, right? It's a, it's a personal right. story about these kids and their struggles and their their ordeals and how they overcome their their problems and and it it just oh, yeah. looks great. It's Stephen King doing what Stephen King does best, which is it, you know. Right. Um, yeah. No, I yeah, and I and absolutely. I mean, it was just a very, you know, it was a coming of age story for these adolescents and you know, he he doesn't balk from sensitive subjects involving kids and you know, today we just want to bombard our kids with, you know, blindness and tell them not to confront these things that happen to us. And, you know, I think that Stephen King confronts that. He does that very well. Yeah, he, he writes <laughs> and, very uh, honestly and earnestly yeah. about, you know, people and what they're feeling and thinking. And sometimes he goes into the, you know, dark places. and Yeah, um, and that's what literature, I mean, a lot of people will, don't want to read that kind of literature, and that's that's totally fine. But, you know, some of us, we want to know how people tick and, you know, you got, unfortunately, you have to confront the bad things that people do. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I, yeah. You know. and, and that's why I think his characters are so relatable. And they're so interesting. Mm-hmm. Even, like, that's why I really liked Eddie a lot. He's, like, my second favorite character. Because it's, mm-hmm. like, even though I've never been a drug addict, I feel like Stephen King used his own experience as, as a drug addict to, to inform him of that character. And that's, so, mm-hmm. so that's why I think that character feels very true to life and very genuine and so right. you can follow him even though you're following him into this completely insane absurdist world and storyline but because you like the characters you're like i'm gonna read it because of the characters which is right. leading me to think that character i mean there's a long debate um among uh authors and i i remember debating this even in school i used to take the side that plot was the most important uh, i think because older literature was more plot focused and i think newer for, uh literature is more character based but I, I think i i feel like i'm starting to take the the character perspective that maybe character is the most important thing because it keeps you reading it, it keeps you invested more than anything else i think Books give everybody that opportunity to find somebody or something or an ideal that they can connect with. And, um, you know, it's a safe place for people to go. And these characters are safe characters. Yeah, character-driven stories are always very important to me. You know, so it was always really hard for me as a kid to find a good book where, you know, the characters were more than, you know, maybe 30% of the plot. (laughs) I think about this a lot as a writer. I'm like, what can what can I offer in book form that you don't get from, you know, watching Netflix or YouTube or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I think what you really get is you can really get into the minds and hearts of characters better in mm-hmm. a story, in, in, thick, in, in a book, than you can in, a, in just watching a show. You know, you, right. you really get into their heads. And that's just something that's harder to convey on on the screen. And so I mm-hmm. think that that's where writers are going. And I think that's probably for the best, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and I agree. And that's, yeah. yeah. And I think Stephen King definitely gives you that experience with his yeah. characters yeah. and less, yeah. you know, scenery driven or, 
you know, setting driven. Oh, the plots are all very strong. Is driving me. I just want to tell all the whole yeah. fantasy author base, stop obsessing with a damn setting. You know, it's like, it's not that important. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to yeah, know. Did you? I don't want to know a history of your made up world. I don't care. You know, maybe I'll care later. Like, get me to care first about your characters. Then I'll care about, you know, what's the name of all the kings of some town somewhere, you know? Any parting uh, thoughts or uh, should we uh, no, leave I it mean, for I part just... two? Huh? Leave it for, are we going to? Yeah, we'll leave it for the last two books. Okay. Because that's where, like, I think a lot of this is going to, you yeah. know, a lot of this is hinges on the last yeah. last bit. So, So yeah, so I feel um, bad we haven't done a podcast in forever, maybe a forever. Few months. But hey, we came back with five books. And it went once, and uh, it's like it's like Brandon Sanderson. He wrote five books in two years, and what the hell? I don't know how, I don't know how he did that, and we're not going to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> until, until yeah, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. Brandon Sanderson, when I when I get up the courage to read, who has uh, the, the hot shit today? I guess I, so, you know, okay. I just okay. <laughs> I'm sure he's good. I'm hard, it's hard for me to be uh, impartial because I'm, I'm biased. I know. I'm biased. Well, it's hard for me to be impartial, too, because, you know, again, my husband just freaking loves Brandon Sanderson. And yeah. You know, it's Sanderson Central here, and it's like, ugh. like, not that I hate it. I don't. I think it's, you know, I love that he reads. It's like the hottest thing I've ever seen anybody do, but shit. Okay. <laughs> you know, I get, I get it, though. Just so, be happy that he does read because I'm surrounded by non-readers in my family. So I'm just, Oh my God. Yeah. He's read like, to read anything, you know? So. Yeah. By the time he's done reading books this year, he'll probably be well over 50 books in. And I'm not even talking short books. I'm talking like he's reading enormous fantasy series. He's like six books deep into a series now. Oh, wow. maybe he's now seven in. Yeah. And there's like two more books to go. And then, and then he's like, <laughs> Yeah, he's read so many fantasy series. So, I mean, he really is a connoisseur of fantasy books. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I don't disagree with him on some of them. I just don't read as much as he does. You know, he's the fantasy guy. Wow. I'm the science fiction person. But he, uh, yeah, he has read so many books this year where I have just been laying around going, well, maybe oh, he should, I can't. I he read should be on anything. the podcast. He might have more, you know, he might have a lot to say. I don't know. Oh, no, he might have a lot to say about it. He might like to do that, too. But they have, like, this pool going on at work. Like, they, these guys track their fantasy book readings with each other. What like, the hell? They have Where do you old... come from? I, I don't know anyone who reads. <laughs> yeah, they have an enormous spreadsheet. Like, they, all they do is oh swap God. book recommendations to each other. Yes, this is it. This is what they do. And I'm telling you, that's just, like, all our families do are, like, trade books and swap books no, yeah no, no you would love who, it here nobody knows who to how to read and i don't know anyone who reads none of my family members read none of my workers co-workers read <laughs> you're uh, so weird it's like, bizarre so weird. i'm in the wrong place it's depressing I mean, I'm in the just, wrong place yeah that is depressing i don't understand that because i just feel like you know i can walk out my door and like just drive five minutes not even five minutes and there's a bookstore right there I, I need, to go, in, I I need to go to Barnes and Noble. I hang on to Barnes and Noble just so that I can see that that people read, like that that, that reading is a thing. Because if Barnes and Noble didn't exist, I'd be like, well, there's no point in me writing a book because no one reads anything. 
Reading doesn't oh exist. It's not a thing that anyone does. So I need to like go there and be like, oh, people do read, I guess, because there's all these books here and someone must be buying them. Somebody must be buying you them. Know? Yeah, it's, that's... it's really dis- discouraging. And uh, anyway, but... Yeah, that's uh, just wild. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna, <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. So, all right. All right. So uh, next podcast is going to be Song of Susanna and... And uh, the the final Dark Tower book. Okay, so bye from... uh, I'm Nick. And I'm Heather. And this has been Story Matters. Uh, Story Matters. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.